You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Now here's your host, Chris McPherson. Yes, indeed, it is episode four already. Number four of the Eagles Insider Podcast, and the preseason is in full swing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast. The Eagles won their preseason debut, a 17-9 decision over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm joined, as always, by the much more talented, much wittier, much funnier Alex Smith. Alex? C-Mac. I'm juiced for this podcast. You know, Only for this one, not for the other no, ones? No, 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 no. I don't mean it like that. I don't mean it like that. We are staying along the offensive line, uh-huh. so back-to-back offensive linemen here, but we're going to go to the center of everything. Uh-huh. With Pro Bowl center Jason Kelsey, a really fun interview coming up. So this podcast would not be possible without the help of producers Brian Thomas and Ricky Shu. So shout out to them behind the scenes for helping make this happen. But quite honestly, it wouldn't be possible without you, the fans. So we greatly appreciate the comments on iTunes and Stitcher, all the downloads. The podcast have been performing quite well. We've been seeing the feedback on Twitter. Uh, at the last open practice, Alex, weren't you recognized by, by I, fans and who gave I you did. feedback? I did. I met uh, Dale, who came up to me, just int- wanted to introduce himself and say, hey, he loves the podcast. Oh, Always love that kind of stuff. Always love hearing from fans, whether it's in person, on Twitter, doesn't matter what it is. Always appreciate that kind of stuff. Definitely. So first we'll have our interview with Jason Kelsey, but later in the show, the Eagles Desire podcast, we have the people or influences in that player's life. So when you raise a Pro Bowl center and you raise a Pro Bowl tight end, you got to get the parents. Mom and dad were doing something right. They certainly were doing something right. And uh, so we're going to welcome in Ed and Donna Kelsey in just a little bit. But first, Alex and I present our interview with Jason Kelsey. Jason, how are things going, man? Going great. Obviously, camp started here for now a little bit over a week. It's been fun getting back into the swing of things, getting used to the new system, the new coaches. A lot of exciting things have been happening so far. Jason, we want to have you on because we want to get to know more about you, the person, more so than the player. Sure. And I'm fascinated that you come from a family that you've been a great center during your time with the Eagles, made the Pro Bowl, earned a second contract, worked away from a six-round pick, but you also have a brother. Mm-hmm. In Kansas City and Travis, who has earned a Pro Bowl, got his big contract this past offseason. So sure. I want to know about your parents. How did your parents raise two extremely talented football players? That's a great question. I think that... Um, <laughs> That's what I'm I, here I, for. I, I <laughs> Thank you. A lot of luck is involved in making it to this level and being as, uh, as productive as we have. Both of our parents did a great job of instilling a work ethic, a determination, an attitude that you know, you're not going to achieve anything in life unless you work at it. You know, obviously, my brother and I have been blessed with a lot of physical attributes, which have helped us make it to this level. But I don't think without the uh, intangibles that both of us have that we would have made it very far. So, Jason, to follow up on that, who are your parents? Ed Kelsey and Donna Kelsey. Donna now lives in in Orlando. She just moved there this past year. Then my dad is still up in Cleveland. We actually just sold the house that we grew up in. What was that like? It was good. I mean, I actually, that was one of the things I took care of when I uh, signed my new contract. I wanted to take care of both of their debts and stuff like that. It was a good feeling for them to finally get that sold. The Cleveland economy struggled there for a little bit. But yeah, now that's finally out of the way. It's kind of a bitter, sweet feeling. Obviously, it's a, the home you grew up in, all these memories and everything like that. But um, you know, I'm happy for them that they were able to kind of get out of that. Did you spend time this offseason going through and checking things one last time and saying, yeah. Travis, this was the wall I threw you through when we were <laughs> five years old? And Yeah, I actually got to make it back once this offseason, right before they sold it. It was great. I mean, we got to see what we wanted them to keep, you know, and not throw away. So there was all going through everything in the house and finding little things that you hadn't seen in years. I mean, I found my high school varsity jacket, which I haven't worn in years and surprisingly still fits. Did it really? That's what it I was must have been yeah. huge. 
huge on me in high school <laughs> because I was a lot smaller than now. And then uh, just like, you know, hockey jerseys and little trophies. And it was pretty cool seeing a lot of th- things that I haven't seen, kind of getting some of those memories back from my childhood. Now, did you and Travis share a bedroom in at, this house? At, at one point we did for a long time. And we actually had a water bed that was in the form of a race car. We had bunk beds right next to it. I used to do wrestling moves. He's two years younger than me, so I used to do wrestling moves, throwing him down onto the waterbed. And, of course, the waterbed popped at some point once we got heavy enough to do that. Yeah, we did share a bed for a little while, yeah. How competitive was the relationship between you and Travis growing up? Two years is pretty close in age, yep. and it really didn't get competitive until we got to high school, and that's when he kind of started. Once he hit his growth spurt, obviously he's taller than I am now. And I still remember the last fight we were ever in. It was actually a fist fight. It was a backyard basketball game where he finally got to the point where he could beat me in basketball. So I started following him just so I could stay <laughs> in the game. <laughs> He was killing me. Yeah, that started our last fight that we've ever been in. That was my senior year of high school. Pretty competitive, for sure. So do you admit now that you were the one that kind of started that fight? 100% my fault, (laughs) without question. Looking back, no doubt my fault. We actually ended up fighting in the kitchen after I threw the ball at him outside. Before that, he really didn't fight back too much. This time he picked me up and slammed me. And when he slammed me down, the whole oven like popped off of its hinges, and it was a whole ordeal. It was actually pretty funny looking back at it. But were your parents athletes? Well, my dad was an athlete growing up, but never played at like the collegiate level or anything like okay. that. He played high school and whatnot. Their high school football team was really good in Cleveland. Now that high school is kind of dwindled out. St. Joe's. It's not really the school that it once was. My mother's side of the family is usually. What I usually tell people is where we get most of our athleticism from, and size for that matter. My uncle played at Purdue. My grandfather played at Ohio University. And then my mom was a really, really good track and field, like a hurdler and a high jumper. You played a bunch of different sports growing up, right? I mean, you played hockey, right? Correct? From childhood on, I played anything from soccer to hockey, lacrosse, baseball, basketball, all the major sports that you could think of. I pretty much played for at least a season wrestling, kind of did all of them at least once. Was there any sport that you had hoped maybe? to go play in college or pro, but then you just realize, look, I'm too big. I'm not going to be doing lacrosse or this, that, and the other. Well, I was actually pretty small. I mean, I was about 215 to 220 in high school. Really? Okay. Yeah. In football, I was a linebacker and a running back. I mean, I played lacrosse. I was more of a midfielder and an attack. I mean, for some reason, I was always drawn to football. Just watching it, I always loved playing the sports where I could be physical in and use my size to my advantage. So I think I always wanted to be a professional football player. And now looking back at it, now that I am... I'm a professional football player. I'm like, man, you know, hockey was a lot of fun. I kind of miss playing hockey. All I do is play football now. But I, I'm sure if it was the other way around, it would probably be missing the, the same thing. Sport. So I still love playing hockey and lacrosse. And I'm sure when I'm done playing professional football, there'll be some old men's leagues that I can maybe hop into. I might have to shed a few pounds to play those sports. But no, you might be actually right around. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but no, those leagues. It was great playing a bunch of different sports. I think parents too often early now kind of pigeonhole their kids and they have them play one sport specific for years and years and I don't think that that is the best way to develop a kid as an athlete personally. Did you grow up a Browns fan? I did yeah and there wasn't a team for three years when Art Modell took the team and moved them to Baltimore so I had to find an interim team and believe it or not as a Cleveland fan my interim team was the Pittsburgh Steelers <sighs> which was our one? arch rival yeah and the only reason I liked the Pittsburgh Steelers was because I thought Jerome Bettis was the best running back gotcha. I loved watching him run so I, I didn't get a lot of love in Cleveland yeah yeah for those three years. <laughs> That's like being a Philly being a Cowboys But then the Browns fan. came back, so then it all ended up being okay. Did you ever go to the dog pound? I'd never made it to the dog pound. I've never been in it. I've only seen it. I actually only went to one Cleveland game, or two Cleveland games. One game okay. when I was really young. The old municipal stadium in Cleveland used to get extremely loud, and the building would shake. I was like maybe 
three or four years old and I just started crying immediately <laughs> right after the national anthem because it was shaking. So we had to leave. So I ruined that for my dad. But um, And then I went to a game a little bit when I was older, but we didn't make it to too many professional sporting events. You mentioned Jerome Bettis is one of your favorite players. Who are sure. some of the other guys that you looked up to as a kid? Is this just football? It can be anything. Anything? Is he... Hockey, I, I always love. Obviously, Wayne Gretzky sticks out. I mean, he was one of the best. But then you had Yammer Yager. My favorite player to watch is Peter Forsberg, believe it or not. Oh, yeah. More when he was on Avalanche sure, yeah, and the sure. Flyers. Yes. But he was great for both. If you go football, I really liked watching Jerome Bettis. Then I got into Mike Allstott when I started playing fullback a little bit. Linebacker-wise, I liked the way Brian Erlacher played. I don't know. I, I kind of found all those guys to be entertaining the best year of sports that I can remember as a kid growing up, because Cleveland never won a championship, but the Indians are really good, so I watched yeah. a lot of baseball, mm-hmm. was when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were going at it sure. to take the home run record. Of course. And obviously that's all been tainted now, but yeah. back then but it, it was, was extremely it was, yeah. entertaining. I mean, you it was watch, awesome. You watch games every night. It oh, was yeah. must-see television. Absolutely. So speaking of Cleveland never winning a title, that changed this offseason. Yeah. Did you go back to experience that at all? or was that? <laughs> I didn't. I talked to a lot of friends, a lot of family and stuff like that, and everybody said it was amazing. There's more people downtown than they've ever seen in the history of living in Cleveland. I'm just really happy for the city, for the fan base. They're a pretty uh, loyal fan base in Cleveland. Blue-collar town, a lot of similarities to Philadelphia on a much smaller scale. I was just happy for them to finally get out of that drought. And now the Indians are playing pretty well, so maybe they'll get two. That'd be... Don't get greedy now. <laughs> hey, Jeez. Hey. You mentioned the similarities between Cleveland and Philly. Had you ever been to Philly before you were drafted? I came here for a lacrosse tournament when I was in high school. Okay. And um, I remember going to Pats and Geno's. I don't remember where else we went. I think we might have done a double-decker bus tour. What surprised you about Philly since you were drafted here? I went to New York, and I really didn't like New York very much. And I was worried coming to Philadelphia that Philly was going to be similar to New York City. And pleasantly surprised it's not. I'm not a big fan of New York City for whatever reason. I don't like the feel to it. And mainly it's because I've only been to Manhattan. Mm-hmm. The Bronx are okay, I guess. But Philadelphia has this awesome blend of blue-collar, hardworking mentality with like an East Coast vibe to it. I think that for me coming over here and being in Philly now for, well, this is going on my sixth season, I've loved every second of it. Truly would not have wanted to have been anywhere else and I consider this place my home now. It's evident because I love following on social media throughout the course of summer and people will post Jason Kelsey's playing cornhole with us along the beach and to them it's like the biggest thing. It's like, oh, Neagles players hanging out with us. But to you, you're just like, I'm just one of the guys. I think that's one of the reasons why I love Philadelphia is people are just real. You don't deal with a lot of the fake, pretentious bullcrap you have to deal with in a lot of major cities. I think people here are very much kind of salt of the earth people and very much don't want any fake business. If you're just who you are, work hard, and then you go out and enjoy yourself through the city and enjoy the city uh, out on the town or doing whatever, uh, the fans definitely tend to take well to that. Do you have your favorite spots in the city, whether it's restaurant or... I mean, I'm biased. I live in Old City. I've lived there for five years. So I think Kyber Pass Pub is one of my favorite barbecue spots in the city. Baby Black Blues over in uh, University City that Mm -hmm. I've gone to quite a bit. I try and hit up a lot of different areas and a lot of different places, but I kind of hit all the scenes in uh, Old City. Did you tell Brandon Brooks when he came here that he needed to do the same thing because that's sort of I, like did not, I, I didn't tell Brandon that and Brandon yeah. that's just who Brandon is I mean he lives downtown as well right in Center City so he's very much all about going out to different bars different restaurants and stuff like that and he's embraced living in Philadelphia extremely well I think now on the flip side your brother's in Kansas City yeah a little slower pace yeah is it a style that fits him do you guys ever talk back and forth hey man it'd be awesome if you were in Philadelphia because we'd be together or vice versa does that ever come up I mean I would love to play with my brother again we played together in high school 
And we played together in college, both going to Cincinnati. But so far, it doesn't look like that would ever really work out. Yeah. But I, uh, I'm definitely happy with where I ended up. Let me put it that way. I think Kansas City is a pretty cool town and everything like that. But I would much rather be in Philly. How tough was the transition of being away from your brother for the first time? Because as you said, it was like you had the same bedroom, high school, yeah. college. Or- I think it was easier for me than it was for him just because he was still at Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And we had been there for so many years that when I went back, it was almost like I was going right back to what I left. Still had a lot of friends there and stuff like that. It was a little bit different kind of being in a new city and whatnot. But I think once he went to Kansas City, that's when it really... We barely see each other anymore, maybe two, three, four times a year at max. You know, it's just different. And I'm sure once football's over and once we're not as busy as we are now, hopefully that'll pick back up where it was. Is it a matter of the fact that he's gone Hollywood? And has his he own is definitely show. going to Hollywood. <laughs> I was out in L.A. for a month with him this year. Actually. Really? This is the most time we spent together in a long time. But filming that show, yeah, that was entertaining to say the least. We, we need to get your thoughts on the yeah, show. Yeah, of course. I, I can't reveal anything from the show yes, okay. contractually. Yes. Are you on the show? Can I you am, say that? I am on the show. Okay. Yes, I am on the show. I'm not a, I am not a pivotal or important piece of the show, I would say. I don't think. I just kind of try and help give him advice with certain girls or certain things to do with the show. That was kind of my role, I guess. So... <laughs> I think it's going to be very entertaining just from the outside looking in. I don't know. I don't really get into too many of the reality dating shows, but I would probably compare it more to like a uh, less bachelor and kind of more along the lines of like a rock of love type thing. <laughs> it's not quite to that level of rock of love, okay. but not Somewhere quite the as there. the bachelor. Yeah. Somewhere in the middle where there's still a lot of fun being had, but at the same time, not quite as trashy, I guess. I think that might be the way to put it. Did it open your eyes to how reality shows are done? Because Yeah, it did. It actually was really cool seeing how it's all filmed and how it all is put together and whatnot. That was actually one of the most entertaining things about doing it because half of the things I'm not involved in, so I was able to kind of be behind the scenes where the producers and the directors and the writers and all that stuff are. That was definitely an interesting thing to take in. Do you think your family will watch it? Oh, yes. 100% they'll watch it. I'm actually well, that some interesting. I, yeah, I don't know how Grandma's going to take it. I don't. Yeah, she's pretty conservative on most issues, so I don't really know. It's going to be entertaining. I don't really know how the family's going to take it. I think that everybody in the family is very much, my mom and dad at least, are kind of hands-off approach to parenting, kind of let us make our own mistakes, and when they need to or when we need advice, they're there for us to lean on, but they're not the kind of parents to definitely be overbearing at all, and they never were. How much do they get involved from a football standpoint? Does your dad, someone who calls you up to the game, is like, you missed that block or anything along those lines? They usually don't criticize too many of the blocks or anything like that. I know that they pay attention. They both have like the Google alerts and then I, we're Facebook friends, so they're always sharing things on Facebook and whatnot. And they watch stuff that the Eagles put out all the time on the website here. My dad's probably the most active in kind of the football side of things on like, oh, how's so-and-so doing? Who's hurt? Or what's it looking like this week? He wants that, the juice. He's, yeah. He's like us in the media. It's like yeah, he wants yeah. to know all he the He wants all the, all the, all the details. <laughs> I would say he's more involved kind of with that. My mom's kind of just happy for me, and she's involved, hopes the team does well, and kind of like a happy-go-lucky type feeling with her. Do they come out to a lot of games? It's tough, kind of. Obviously, they got to split it between my brother and I, and then obviously they both still have jobs and whatnot, so they can't make everything that they Mm -hmm. want to. Individually, they make it to probably three or four games. Mm -hmm. I'd say probably more like four games a year, two home and two away. Hopefully, when we're in the playoffs this year, they'll be at every one. Unless Kansas City's in the playoffs, then it might be another. (laughs) Same week there. Yeah. But they do, they, they, and they make a lot of the important ones too. They try and come up for the Dallas games or the Giants, something like that.
Is there a moment in your career, and maybe it's not even football really, where you were like, I was glad to show my parents what they taught me, how they helped me get to this point, and whether it was making it to the NFL, being a starter as a rookie, getting that contract, or maybe something, like I said, not football really? I think that my parents appreciate more than the football or anything. I like to think that I'm, in general, a good person. Their biggest thing was just trying to make sure that I ended up being a productive member of society that cared about community, cared about involvement. However successful I was or not, that was always something that they kind of hoped for. But as long as I was happy and being a good person, I think that that's the biggest thing that I think they are proud about. Jason Kelsey, thank you very much for joining us here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Thanks, guys. Jason. So we have to bring in the woman who controlled everything in the house that kept the Kelseys at bay as much as she could. The mother of Jason Kelsey, Donna Kelsey, joins us now on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Donna, thank you very much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Donna, as a father of two young boys myself, ages eight and six, pretty close in age, much like Jason and Travis, what's the secret? How did you produce and develop and grow two tremendously successful young men? I think the first thing was make sure they're doing what they absolutely love to do, at least in the off time. I mean, they all have to go to school, but find out what they really love to do, because if you like what you're doing, you will excel at it. That's pretty much it. I mean, keep them busy. We want to keep them busy to cut down on the broken windows in the house. So (laughs) that was basically keep them moving, keep them busy, and keep them occupied, and make sure they're always moving. They didn't watch a lot of TV when they were growing up. Donna, you can be honest with us. How much trouble did they get into around the house? (laughs) There was a lot. You know, probably, as most boys do, there's a lot of razzing, a lot of jabbing, a lot of fighting. And that's what spurred both of them on. And I think because they're both extremely athletic, Jason obviously was the older one, and he won a lot (laughs) just by sheer size. You know, they're loud and hysterical all in one. There just was a lot of fun, a lot of fun meeting parents and friends. They both played hockey, baseball, lacrosse, and so there are a lot of team sports in there with football included, soccer, basketball, you name it. It was all in there. I think Jason even tried wrestling one time. And meeting the parents, people that really care about their kids. But I think anything, parents just need to be mindful of what their child loves to do and get them involved as much as they possibly can. Speaking of wrestling, Jason told us about an incident involving a a waterbed that was in their room (laughs) and their bunk beds where one time he was doing a wrestling move on Travis down onto the waterbed and caused quite a scene. Do you remember that exact moment? Yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) kind of funny. A lot of throwing footballs over the house but going through the second floor window. Mm-hmm. Hockey pucks going through glass on the bottom. I had to put in glass block on the bottom in the basement. Pock marks on the side of the garage. Yeah, the house was total mess with the two of them. They're pretty big, and a lot of times kids will jump over and land on the couch. Well, the couch would go right through a floorboard, and they would jump on it. They're kind of big guys. <laughs> Jason is really extremely motivated person and that he's driven just by the basic fire in him. It's fueled by people that say he can't do the job. How did you instill that fire and make sure that he would never lose that? 
I think some kids are just born with it. He's one of those individuals that's just a driven human being. He always was. And everything he had to do to the best of his ability, except for maybe cleaning his room. But uh, of course. just telling them you can do whatever you want. If you set your mind to it, you can do it. If you can see it, it can happen. Things like that. Instead of saying no all the time, saying this is what you can do. So I tried. Donna, you're kind of in, in a unique situation where each one of your sons has made it to the NFL, the top level of their sport. Obviously, Jason plays here in Philadelphia. You have Travis in Kansas City. What kind of challenge does that present to you as a mom and trying to make sure that you're able to connect with both of them when they're each kind of in different parts of the country? That is so difficult. And especially with the generation that they were came from, everything is all tweeting and texting instead of picking up the phone. It's just the way... I I think children nowadays like to communicate, including with their friends. They'd rather tweet than sitting right next to them having a conversation. So it's difficult. We try to do that as much as we can. I miss them. I know that their careers are very, very time-consuming because Jason gets involved a lot in community service. He does a lot of things around town. He lives in Philadelphia. So I try and get up there at least for a week or so. We were lucky enough to be able to go to the Pro Bowl and spend a week with them in Hawaii. And it's just moments like that that are special for me that I get to connect back with them. I miss them, but I'm very, very happy that they get to lead the lives that they want to and that their dreams came true. Donna, what would you say is, you mentioned the Pro Bowl, what would you say is your proudest moment as a mom when it comes to your son, Jason? Not so much who he is or what he does, but the man that he has become. And there's a lot of people that get athletes to where they are. And if they have the right mentors, the right coaches, the right people that surround them every day, it's just amazing. He's just a really good guy. There isn't just one event, but every time I see him when he's doing community service, him giving back to society is one of the most important things, I think, that makes me the proudest. It seems to me like he's also stayed very family-driven, that once he got a new contract, he made sure to make sure that everybody in his family was provided for as well. I'm sure that has to make you really proud as a mother as well, to know that he still knows where he's come from, and he knows how important family is. I'm sure that has to make you very proud. Right. He does really care about family. I keep thinking that as a mom, you know, what 20-year-old wants to have their mom hanging around? But he said on more than one occasion, that's not the case. I want to hear from you. I want to see you. I want you coming into town. This isn't going to be forever. He said, just right now, I'm just in a whirlwind of things that are happening and the demands that are on him every day with the job, with things that happen outside of work, what the Eagles organization asks of him. It's a huge job. Do you recall, Donna, back in 2013, and I know Travis didn't end up playing in the game, but what it was going to be like leading up to Eagles-Chiefs game in Philadelphia and the thought of possibly having to cheer for both your sons, but knowing at the end one was going to win and one was going to be on the losing end of things? Yeah, they're really, really competitive. Both of them do not like to lose. They don't like getting second place. It's got to be number one. They have to be the best within themselves, and they have to know that they go out every day and they've done the best. One of the good things was in that particular game, Travis was not playing because he had a bone problem in his knee, and so he was out most of the first season. But it would be very, very difficult. I would cheer for both sides. I mean, you care about both kids. You want both of them to achieve their dreams, and it would be very, very difficult if the two of them were in, like, the Super Bowl or something like that. 
that. The one game that I was at, I had a shirt, two t-shirts, you can't really do it with jerseys, but two t-shirts that I had cut right down the middle and sewed the two of them together. I try to root for each of them equally. If I'm at one game, I have the other one going on my phone, looking at the scoreboard, seeing what's happening in the other game. And they play a lot together at the same time. you got to figure the schedule out. got to get with New York City and tell them, look, you got to have the Chiefs on at 1 o'clock and then put the Eagles on prime time, you know? Mix <laughs> yeah, it up it a little bit. doesn't happen that often. <laughs> Donna, my last question for you is this. Do you have any special pregame ritual or something that you do with Jason during the week to kind of help him get ready for the game or some kind of special moment that you guys will share? I usually send him a text of a picture of him when he was young just to bring it home just something for him to laugh at, to maybe cut the seriousness, because he's so focused on what he's doing, and just something that might give him a little chuckle before he goes into the game. That's basically what I try to do. Well, it's quite obvious why Jason has been such a success when you have a mother like Donna in your life. Donna Kelsey, (laughs) thank you very much for joining us here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Thanks, Donna. Thank you very much. Always great to hear how the moms can influence the boys and the impact that they have on their upbringing. So you set up the interview with Ed Kelsey. Correct. Jason's dad. And the first time you reached out to him, you actually (laughs) thought you were talking to Jason. I thought it was a prank. So after we interviewed Jason, uh, we asked him if we could reach out to his parents. He said, yeah, sure, not a problem. Gave us the phone numbers for each of them. So I called Ed Kelsey and I actually thought that it was a prank. And I thought that it was just Jason Kelsey on the other end because (laughs) they sound very, very similar, except uh, Ed, you can tell he's, you know, Got a little bit more experience, a little bit more rasp to his voice, but it's almost identical from hearing Jason Kelsey talk. Uh, so I wasn't sure if it was a prank right away or not, but turned out that it was indeed the father, Ed Kelsey. Very, very nice man. Very warm, very welcoming, and a great interview as well. Well, we can let you listen for yourselves. The father of Jason Kelsey, Ed Kelsey, now joins us here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Ed, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think or hear about your son, Jason? Work ethic and attitude. Could be, can be, anything he wants to be. And has he always been that way? Growing up, did he always have that work ethic? Day one, day one. Certainly, like everyone, there are times you get a little frustrated. You may have some doubts. A little support from his mom and his dad. I think he always knew that he would persevere. He would succeed. If you want him to do something, tell him you don't think he's capable. Then get out of his way. (laughs) So, Ed, where did that come from? You raised him in Cleveland Heights, Ohio. Tough-minded area. Do you think it's just something that's born and bred in that area of the country? Oh, I don't know about born and bred. I think there's an attitude like that that seems to be pervasive western PA, northeast Ohio, you know, southeast Michigan, those kind of areas are probably a big reason why there's so many football players from that part of the country. As far as the neighborhood or the, the actual city they grew up in, I don't know how much that had an input. I don't necessarily think that's genetics. It probably has something to do with the attitude around the house. As a parent, you're always trying to encourage your children, help them find their passion, and then feed it. And you mentioned the football aspect of it. What are your first memories of Jason and, and his brother, Travis, your other son, Travis, playing football together? In the living room, they were three and one, and they had to get past me with the football. <laughs> and if you fumbled, you had to do push-ups. <laughs> At three and one, they were doing push-ups? Yeah, well, make-believe. Actually, Jason could do a push-up at three years old. Wow. It wasn't pretty, and I, you know, this, this is when I'm talking Marine Corps here, <laughs> but he had the basic idea. That's the earliest thing to do with football. 
And really, after that, football was not much of a factor until they got into middle school. Neither boy played midget football, youth, any pop one or any of that. First of all, there wasn't a lot of that going on around Cleveland Heights. Baseball was probably the first organized sport, followed closely by hockey. And hockey really dominated from eight until high school. Actually, Jason played through high school. I mean, hockey hockey was a big part of our life. So how surprising is it that despite that, both of your two sons have ended up as professional football players? I don't think it's surprising. I think they could have been as successful in hockey if we as parents were willing to pigeonhole them in hockey. That is, have them play year-round hockey. Moved to Ontario when they were 14 so they could play in the Ontario League until they're ready to go to college or send them up there to Lewisville. And nothing like that was ever going to happen. They were drawn more to football. I think they both could have made it in baseball. Of course, baseball is another sport. You hit 13, 14 years old, you better be playing it year-round if you have aspirations of uh, playing professionally. They were both very good at soccer at one time. But then again, soccer is another one of those sports. You reach a certain level, you're doing that year-round. I was never very big on trying to get them to focus on one particular sport. I never really put a lot of emphasis on, you know, trying to get a scholarship and this or that. It was more of a enjoy yourself. Every game is a test of how well you prepared yourself, whether it's football, hockey, whatever, baseball, and enjoy that childhood. So, Ed, what was it like for you when Jason started getting offers to play college football? Very heady experience, invigorating, uh, you know. He had Northwestern. Uh, their coach had been to see him a couple times. I hadn't met him. This is his junior year. They had him scheduled for a day at Northwestern with a bunch of other players. And we showed up there. Even had his, he had a jersey for him to wear during the workouts. It was the same as his high school number. I mean, it, we were real, real enthusiastic. But then the guy, his recruiting coach, left to go work for the Dolphins. And the new tight ends coach wasn't as excited about Jason. And the other, the other thing is we went to a bunch of camps that junior year, that summer between junior and senior year. Went to a lot of college camps. And Jason, frankly, he hadn't spent a lot of time in the weight room. Every year he went from, he played football, then he played hockey, then he played lacrosse. I think his last two years of high school, he had two music classes a day. He was in three different bands. He was Michigan State. He couldn't bench press 200 pounds. Everybody lost interest after that. He was a tall kid, very athletic kid that just wasn't very strong in their opinion. So what was it like for you, Ed, when he decided to walk on at Cincinnati? Because he didn't start there with a scholarship. He had some partial offers from 1AA's, at least that's what they were called at the time, 1AA. Had to have a boatload of partials from Division II schools. Yeah, those guys were all over him. He was a little disappointed, you know, that there was nothing from a Division One. It was Paul Rhodes at Pitt, who was one of Wanstead's coaches. He was the recruiting coach for Cleveland, and Paul Rhodes said, hey, talk to Akron, talk to some of these other schools, have him give me a call. It wasn't something that was going to happen to Jason there for a scholarship. But I talked to Paul Rhodes about, you know, the user, what do you think of walking on? And they got real interested, and so did Wanstead, and I said, yeah, as soon as you're in a spot, you get a scholarship. Well, that was a no-brainer to me, because, I mean, I know Jason. You put him there for one year on his own nickel, the next year he'll have a scholarship. And he was all ready to do that, and I said, well, you know, your first year's on your nickel. You should walk around. You should check some other schools out. And uh, he went down to Cincinnati and, and just fell in love with Mark Antonio and his staff. And eventually decided, I'm going to do it at Cincinnati. He went down there, and, you know, they were working out in July. And, but once, I think it was a, less than a weekend to camp, he was redshirted. And I forget the, the recruiting coach. I just said, well, you know, he's going to be a scholarship player right away. We don't have any scholarships to give him this year. Redshirt him this year. He pays for this. He gets four years paid. And I was, yeah, that makes sense. Of course, then Antonio leave. Kelly comes in. But it only took Kelly's staff a few weeks approaching spring ball. At that time, Jason was a, was a linebacker. 
Pitt had wanted to use him as a tight end, but Kelly's staff convinced him to become an offensive lineman. To his own credit, he said, I could do that. Who's paying for my education here, fellas? I mean, they, he actually he just went to him and said that, and they gave him a scholarship. So there was never any doubt in my mind. I think at one point in high school, Jason was a little depressed and a little concerned, but with a little reminder from his mother and I that this is not nothing you can't handle. So do you remember the exact moment when he told you that he was getting that scholarship and he was I going to be part of that team? He called me, yeah. It was the Kelly's uh, strength and conditioning coach. This guy had a habit when they were in Central Michigan of taking young guys that were very athletic, tight ends, linebackers, fullbacks, and turning them into offensive linemen, convincing them to make the switch. I told him very clearly, you do what I tell you, you'll, you know, you'll play on Sunday for a long time. Lo and behold. I remember the moment because Jason called me. So they want me to be an offensive lineman, want me to bulk up. I said, and what did you tell him? And he told me, Sam, oh, you want me to do that? <laughs> Where's the scholarship, fellas? Kind of gutsy for a kid who's there and as a walk-on. He wasn't calling to ask what I think he should do, although I'm sure he would have considered my opinion. By that point, he's not going to do stuff for Dad anymore. you got to do what you want. How do you think the whole walk-on experience helped him get ready for the NFL when he wasn't coming to Philadelphia as the top blue-chip first-round pick? He was a six-round pick, highly coveted by the Eagles, but someone who had to earn his way onto the roster, and he eventually won the starting job as a rookie. I think that prepared him very well. I mean, because there were a series of things that went wrong for him. He was pretty well regarded heading into the combine. But then he goes to the combine, and he's, you know, he's dropped from 295 down to 280 and sick. There was a stomach flu going around the team at Cincinnati, around the football team. And of course, he lived in a house with seven guys, seven football players. So since it's a stomach flu and he's too weak, he doesn't lift weights. All he does is run. So he looks undersized. He looks pale. So that was depressing. But he gets out of there and he thinks, that's all right, I'll have a senior day. And lo and behold, a week later, the stomach flu's still around. Goes to the doctor and boom, in the hospital to get that appendix out before it bursts, which that killed his senior day. So if he had had the chance to work out healthy, things might have been different. But he didn't. He was going there as undersized and too weak. And I don't think he doubted himself. It was more like, oh, here we go again. My last question for you, Ed, is this. What are you most proud of when it comes to your son, Jason, with all the accomplishments that he's had, high school, college, and then since he's arrived in the NFL? Has not lost sight of who he is and where he's from. Knows how fortunate he is and has always been with the family support that he's had. He fully realizes being a professional athlete does not make you a better man. Content of your character, somebody once said. Well, it's certainly obvious to me where he learned these lessons from. Ed Kelsey, father of Pro Bowl center Jason Kelsey, thank you very much for taking the time to join us here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Thanks, Ed. Happy to. Well, that's going to do it for us here. Jam-packed episode. Special thanks to Jason as well as his parents, Ed and Donna, for joining us here on the podcast. And Travis Kelsey in spirit as well. Yes, indeed. Um, Will you be watching the reality show when it comes out? Uh, I can't make any promises. You're a big reality TV It's a show type fan. of thing. It's a type of thing I would watch. I can't promise that I will. I almost, it's, part of me almost wants to watch just, just to see if Jason makes a cameo. Yes. Yes. To see if he, you know, the scenes with him in it, if they get left on the, the cutting room floor or if he's a big part of the show, that is one reason to watch. So maybe I will. 
All right. So again, special thanks to our producers, Brian Thomas and Ricky Shu. And uh, thank you very much to all of you out there for listening. Again, we can't beg enough for the comments, the the ratings, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, however you consume our podcasts. Definitely any feedback, you know, social media, whatever is greatly appreciated. So that's going to do it for this edition, episode four of the Eagles Entire Podcast. For Alex Smith, I'm Chris McPherson. Everyone have a great Eagles day.